It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17 14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Well, happy Friday afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. I am a tired John Schmelk. He is a less tired Lance Meadows. I'm still tired, bud. 201-939-4513. About 2 a.m. last night is when I had finally hit the pillow. Kids, of course, they they don't care. So I I was up early, um, tired, but we'll fight through it today, folks. we got a big show coming our way tonight. Of course, we will react to the Giants' second and third round picks live after their selections on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And the show from last night with Sean, Paul, and I, uh, that is up on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms, and all that good stuff. So uh, I want to make sure we get a chance to take a lot of your calls today at 201-939-4513. We'll try to rapid fire through them. Uh, We talked a lot about Banks last night, so I... Suggest you go listen to that. Uh, but Lance, I'll give you a chance. You've been giving your take on the pick and how the whole thing went down with Banks today. Then we'll look ahead to rounds two and three. And then again, we'll get to your calls at 201-939-4513. So Lance, uh, your take on Banks and just kind of how that all came to pass as wide receivers just started going bang, 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 yeah. bang, off the board right before the Giants picked. It's amazing. Four straight wide receivers. I guess it's only appropriate that the Giants choose a corner to interrupt that <laughs> run on wide receivers given the X's and O's of football. But when you think about it, a lot of our conversations leading up to the draft and especially our latest mock draft focused on wide receiver and corner being the two positions of focus for the Giants because I think the majority of us felt that it would match up well with need and value. And the way things were playing out until Jackson Smith and Jigba and company started to be selected, you felt pretty good. Okay, maybe the Giants are going to have their pick of wide receiver or corner, depending on which way they want to go. And then ultimately, all the wide receivers at that point were really off the board. And Joe Shane indicated in his post-draft presser, they felt they needed to make a move because they were worried that somebody would switch spots with Jacksonville. But Deontay Banks is one of the top five corners we talked about at great length over the course of the last few weeks. And you're talking about a guy that is an ideal fit for Wink Barnadale's system. Remember, Wink loves to blitz. Heavy emphasis on not allowing the offense to dictate the tone, but the defense to bring everybody. And in that style of defense, you need corners that are comfortable being out on an island and are comfortable going mano a mano with their assignments. And that's what Maryland asked Deontay Banks to do. He also has some great length. So I don't think it's going to be a rude awakening when you get into the early stages of the season and Wink's going to be aggressive and he's going to say, hey, Deontay, we expect you to be able to handle your own because I think that's what he's used to playing at the collegiate level. So that alone makes him extremely appetizing from that standpoint. Yeah, long, fast. Again, played press man at Maryland. That's what their defense was. So... None of what they do here should be surprising when he gets here. He really is the perfect fit from a scheme situation, an athletic trait situation. Uh, for me, just so fans have it, I don't think I've actually given my actual board. Uh, Deontay Banks was the, let's see, 12th player on my board. And this is customized to what the Giants would need. So sure. he, he was the 12th player on my board. I think he's you know a really good player. I thought he was the third-best quarterback in the draft. He was the fourth one to to get picked over the course of that um, draft last night. You know, I had in Jigba as my 11th 
player. So him and Banks were kind of touching, to be honest with you. And then I had the other wide receivers probably a good almost 10 spots down from there. So I think the Giants did really, really well getting a good, valuable player that's a scheme fit, uh, does everything you want him to do. And frankly, Lance, you know, he's one of the guys. Look, he's not going to be given a starting spot, but he's going to have a real opportunity here to earn it given the fact that the other outside cornerbacks besides Adoree Jackson, you know, Nick McLeod, Amario Ruare, uh, Aaron Robinson, Cordell Flott. You know, these are not guys with a ton of uh, pelts on the wall, as the old expression would go. So I think that he's going to have a real good chance to, to claim the starting spot right away and, and help Wink Martindale play more of a style of defense that he was accustomed to when he was in Baltimore. Well, there's been some comparisons between Deontay Banks and Marlon Humphrey, yep. a defensive back that Wink worked with in Baltimore. We got a long way to go for him to get to that level, but I'm sure when they spoke to Wink and they received feedback on some of these defensive players, he may have had a resemblance to Humphrey in Wink's mind. but and, I mean, and why, by the way, is that they both played a lot of man in college. Yep. They're both long and fast, and neither one had a lot of ball production. I think Mullen Humphrey had one collegiate interception, and, and Banks, Banks has, has two. just two. So, yep. Well, and here's the other thing. Why I wouldn't get overly concerned about interceptions, when you're a cover corner in a man-to-man defensive set, yeah. you don't really get a position to grab a lot of opportunistic interceptions under those circumstances. You aren't looking at the quarterback. No, I mean, you're looking at the man, and your job is to knock the ball away or prevent the big plays. So does that mean that he'll have tremendous opportunity to skyrocket the interceptions on the NFL level? No, that's not what I'm insinuating. But I don't think that that interception statistic on an island alone tells you how effective he was as a corner is my point. I know this is weird because we talk about how important takeaways are. I think when you're determining how good a corner is, I think interceptions can be an overrated stat. Sure. To be honest with you. Depends on the system. Maybe guys are taking pressure off of you and you're in the right place at the right time. Look, we talk about in the NFL, John, they fluctuate. One season, you could be the most opportunistic team in the league. Second season, completely dissipates. And you need a quarterback to make a mistake more often than not for you to get an interception, whether it's a bad decision, a bad throw, whatever the case might be. So, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too concerned about the interception thing. Uh, he did have a shoulder injury as a junior, which yep. forced him to miss almost the entire year. Otherwise, he has generally been healthy, just FYI. And he had an impressive bounce-back season yeah. from the shoulder mm-hmm. injury. I think that, to me, John, is the most impressive takeaway because while we see guys go in and out of the lineup, that's the nature of the beast of the NFL. I think the Giants can attest to that, especially looking at the makeup of this cornerback group you didn't mention a lot of the guys but I think the common element is that's more of a reason why it justifies taking a corner in the first round of the value adds up a lot of these guys have not been able to stay healthy specifically the Cordell Flots the Darius Williams the Aaron Robinsons of the world and a number of those players are outside corners or have the ability to play outside so that's more of a reason why Banks to me is a good fit from a value and a need standpoint but getting back to your point about the injury I always like to see, well, what happens after the injury? Well, he came back, he played 12 games last season. The only game he didn't play was the bowl game. He decided not to take part because he was focusing on the NFL draft. So the fact that after playing only two games the previous year due to that shoulder injury, he has to be a spectator. You always question the physical and mental makeup of the player. He comes back and he has by far his most impressive campaign because, John, I have a feeling if he didn't get on the field for 12 games— We may not be talking about Deontay Banks the way that we're talking about him now. He even admitted that when he spoke to the media. 
the way he performed last year completely changed his outlook as a player. And even Joe Shane talked about at this time last year, he wasn't even on the radar because he only had two games. Then all of a sudden, they talked to the scouts, hey, we got to take a closer look at Banks this year if he's actually going to make it out on the field. And it turned out to be a wise investment from that standpoint. All right, let's look ahead now to rounds two and three. We won't do a ton on the first round in general unless you guys want to call in and talk about it. I know you guys are excited about the Giants. That we could talk about overall draft analysis. Sure, well, week. I think that's worth discussing. But yes. let's focus, like you said, looking ahead to today Correct. in terms of the next round. Absolutely, because you know, that's timely. And then we have, we have about two and a half months worth of uh, time here before the training camp even begins to to kind of look back and evaluate what all these teams did. Actually, sure. almost three months, believe it or not. So when you look at the guys left on the board, Lance, I'm going to throw out names, and these are the guys that I do not think will get to the Giants when they select a pick uh, 57, okay? I do not believe... These are the guys I think will go off the board very quickly in round two. Joey Porter Jr., Yep. Brian Branch, Michael Mayer, Will Levis... I'm going to guess Hendon Hooker will go off sometime early Possible. in round two. Um, I think Luke Musgrave will go off relatively early in round two. I believe Steve Avila and Osiris Torrance will go off relatively early in round two. I think Jalen Hyatt will go off the board relatively early in round two. Those are the guys that I feel pretty confident will go off the board early. Obviously, there's going to be more than that. That'll be off the, before, off the board before the Giants pick. And then I think you're in a situation again, and Joe Shane was asked this question, if he'd be willing to move up again around two or round three to grab a guy. He said yes. So I think, you know, you want to talk about the guys that they'll be in the mix for. Again, I think you'd have to trade up, trade up to get Avila. You know, John Michael Schmitz, Cody Mock, Joe Tipman, Luke Whipler. Those are your center guys. I think Whipler maybe. Based on general consensus, is more of a three. I haven't been end of a round two guy, but you know, that's kind of you know chef's choice there. Um, you know, Derek Hall is a, is a second slash third round pass rusher for me. You know, um, Cedric Tillman, wide receiver. Yeah, and then you have he Adab- be around there. Adabare, the 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 defensive yep. tackle, BJ Ojulari, the pass rusher. Uh, those are guys that could be in that area. Um, you mentioned the wide receivers. I think you're looking at Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman, Jonathan Mingo. A.T. Perry, I think that, that that's kind of the group for me. That would be in consideration in the second round. Then you get to the third round, and you're looking at, you know, Jaden Reeds, the, the, the Tyler Scotts, uh, guys like that. You know, running backs, Charbonnet and Tajay Spears, I think, are both second-round players. So uh, I have a huge list of cornerbacks here, but now I don't think we need to talk about Yeah, those. I mean, for example, Ringo was one of the guys that is still available, Cam too. Cam Smith, Darius Rush, D.J. Turner, Julius Brents. There's a, there's a yeah. nice group of corners there that I think— I think corner is going to be a big second-round deal here. Like, I think out of all the positions, there might be more corners than any other position in round number two, to be totally honest with you. But the Giants don't have to worry about that now. So they should root for corners to kind of go off the board as quickly as possible in round two. Sam Laporte, I don't know if you mentioned the tight end, is another guy I would keep close tabs on in this second, third-round territory. I mean, there was some speculation maybe he could sneak up into the first round. Josh Downs, another guy, by the way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So they have attractive options. I, I think from a positional standpoint... Wide receiver would be a reasonable target, yep. right? Given need and value. Wide receiver, interior offensive line, right? Yep, absolutely. And defensive linemen, sure. depending on, yep. once again, because now you're at the point, John, where, remember, my philosophy is I like the versatility. I like a guy that can be inside, outside, provide pass rush, and stop the run. But if you really like a run stopper, for example, 
second, third round. I don't think it's that crazy. However, keep in mind, remember, they just signed Sean Robinson. So does that alleviate perhaps the immediate need of a run stopper? You feel, okay, Robinson, even if he's only with the team for one year, he fills a void. We could grab somebody next year. We could grab somebody in the later rounds. That may have shifted the philosophy. And Drew Sanders, Trenton Simpson, the two linebackers that are around. And then the only defensive tackle or interior defensive lineman for me uh, that's left that would be worthy of a second-round pick besides Adabari, who I mentioned is Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, who I think is a really good player. I agree. And and a two-way guy. I I think he's a three-down guy. I think he can stop the run and rush the passer. So those are the kind of names I'm looking here for the Giants in round two and three. But I think... If the board falls right and the value is there, I think some combination of you know center wide receiver um, would be something they would like to do. If again the right players are there, because you could get all those centers wiped out by the time the Giants pick, like well, they could all be gone. Look at what happened in round one. And yeah, by the way, a quick side note because I know there was some chatter about was it worth moving up one spot. First of all, they gave up a fifth and a seventh. So from a value standpoint, I don't think that was a big sacrifice. Lance, you know my opinion of seventh-round picks. They're pretty much undrafted. They're they're basically undrafted free agents, and then a late fifth-rounder, whatever. Well, you still have another fifth, and you have other sevens. So that's another reason. Plus, we talked about ten guys were not making the 53-man roster. Okay, So I don't think you gave up a whole lot, but here's the other thing. I don't want to revisit previous drafts, but it reminded me— And I always joke, by the way, how those seventh and fifth-round picks aren't going to move the needle in a trade. Well, they can if you're only— moving up one spot and that's how they use them which I think frankly is the best way to use those types of picks correct yeah because we were talking about I mean the show I did with Paul earlier in the week he was going over his different hypotheticals we were talking about minimum third rounder that you'd have to give up but remember we weren't talking about moving up one spot you're talking four or five of course then that justifies obviously having to give up an earlier pick but once again, I don't want to revisit previous drafts, but it reminded me a lot of the Daniel Jones year. And remember, people always speculate, could you have gotten him later on in the draft? If you like a player and you have any hint that somebody else may be moving up to grab them with conviction in the room, you make the move. Period. End of discussion. Especially I have no problem with that up, philosophy. Especially if you're not giving up premium capital. Yeah. I mean, once again, we're not talking about them losing out on a second or a third rounder. Yeah. On day two, you're talking about a day three pick. And could you use that fifth and that seventh to grab somebody that could be a special team or an impactful? Perhaps, but you'll never know. So what is the purpose of living in a bubble, which is not reality? It's not worth losing sleep over. Were people really complaining about that? Well, I just, the chatter on social media. and well, that was your first mistake. Here and there. No, I didn't respond to any of it. It's just things that I'm visually no, seeing. Once again, I don't personally put a lot of weight in it. But once again, I think Joe Shane, as he explained to the post-draft presser, was the fact that it wasn't so much what Jacksonville was going to do. It was other teams talking to Jacksonville and perhaps oh, yeah. moving in to grab a corner. I mean, if it was Jacksonville that wanted Benson, they wouldn't they have just, given up the they pick. Just taken Correct. <laughs> no, but that's what that's what I think gets right. misconstrued here. It's the conversation is not about the Jaguars. The conversation right. is about another team talking with the Jaguars I mean, to make a move. Just, just look what happened one pick later when the Bills jumped in front of Dallas to grab yeah. Dalton Kincaid. Now, and we'll never know whether or not they actually wanted Kincaid. Well, yeah, but, and well, look, Todd Archer from ESPN, who's one of the, the best beat reporters sure. out there, yeah, we've really had him on our shows. In. Yeah, yeah, Todd Archer's awesome, and he said the Cowboys would have taken Mozzie Smith anyway. That's what I'm so, saying. Yeah. But again, that that's the type of move you're talking about, though, where, or even two years ago when the Eagles jumped the Giants for Devonta Smith, right? It's the same type yep. of deal. Exactly. You make that move, and that's why the—why do you think the Eagles move from 10 to 9? It wasn't that the Bears were going to take 
Jalen Carter. No, somebody they else. were afraid someone else was going to jump sure. ahead of them to take Jalen Carter, and that cost them, what, a fourth-round pick next year, yeah. I think. Well, so, the Eagles have plenty of draft capital, so something tells me right. how Roseman wasn't going to be concerned about that. But that's what happens when you have a high volume of picks. That's the point. I think you feel much more comfortable making a move. And we talked about they have 10 coming in. Okay, now they have eight. You include Deontay Banks, the first rounder. You could still address plenty of other needs with seven remaining picks, assuming, of course, they hold on to those seven. And somehow the Eagles picking at 10 and 30 wound up with the second and ninth best players on my, eighth best players on my board. Awesome. Two Georgia guys. It's a Georgia reunion, by the way. I'm surprised. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean. From last year. Well, they might, as well, they might as well draft guys... uh, Keely Ringo in the second yeah. round. They, well, they might as all well... sorts of stuff. It'll be great. They might as well have hired one of the co-defensive coordinators on Georgia's staff under Kirby Smart. Because remember, Nick Sirianni needed to find the replacement for Jonathan Gannon. I'm surprised he didn't go after one of the Georgia's DCs. It's remarkable. Chris Smith, take your pick. But it just goes to show you, by the way, that... This first round in particular, this draft overall, fluctuated so much from team to team because the way people viewed Nolan Smith was obviously very different. Because if Nolan Smith is that good, and I'm not disputing that he's not, well, why didn't somebody else who had more of an ample opportunity to grab him prior to the 30s select him? It just goes to show you it was off the charts in terms of the evaluation. And then we had two running backs go. In we the top see... what, 12? Where, 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 where did Gibbs get picked? Where... Insane. Oh, Gibbs was taken by the Lions 12. at 12. Yeah, so two in the yeah. top 12. That's ridiculous. And we talked about it, Lance. It wasn't a great draft at the top. So teams were just going to pick the best player, even if the positional value wasn't. I mean, look at Jack Campbell. He sure. got picked at 18. Yeah. You know, we talked about him, like, at the back end of the first round, but 18? Like, that's crazy. Like, even Dallas, they pick... Uh, they decided, look, we, we, we don't like a guy that's great here. We're going to pick a guy that knows we do. he does something really, really well. Yep. Maybe we can turn him into something more because he's a really good athlete. So we're just going to pick Mozzie Smith, and we're going to say, all right, our run defense is a lot better because this isn't just a draft where there's a bunch of premium guys at premium spots up and down that first round. So take the safe pick. Hit the single. You know, it's the same strategy we talked about. Well, maybe the Giants will just take a center in the first round because it's a safe pick. Yep. Hit the single and just, just be happy about it. Correct. Or it's the philosophy of, of that player may be right now a one-facet player, but he'll open things up for the remainder sure. of the roster. For example, Mozzie Smith, you used the Dallas example. Okay, he's a run-stopper, but all the attention that he may earn on first and second down will give the pass rushers an opportunity to maybe make a disruptive play. And Jack Campbell... Now, I'm very high on Campbell because I see him as a three-down linebacker. Yeah, I like him too. So He's I have no problem player. with the Lions taking him because you're not going to debate if you're Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator. Hmm, I don't know. Should I take him off the field on third down? Right. The Gibbs pick is more of one that is a bit of a head-scratcher to me. And it's more of also, you went out, you got David Montgomery. You have DeAndre Swift. Listen, I understand the Lions had a plethora of running backs, but my goodness, are you going to throw the ball to him? If you're going to throw the ball to him, he's going to be an extra wide receiver. Right. Hey, more power to you. That's what sometimes I would argue against with respect to the running back, regardless of whether or not that was the highest player on your board. And the only other thing I'll mention, then we'll get right to your calls here, 201-939-4513. Uh, the Texans at the top of the draft. That was the big trade. They drafted yep. C.J. Stroud. They kept that secret very, very well. They decided to pick the quarterback anyway. Then, Lance, they traded all the way up from 12 to 3. Um, and, boy, I thought they gave up way too much. And I'll... And I'll, and I'll oh, did they ever? To, to put it was a it, great trade for Arizona, I'll to, tell you that. 100%. To put it into context, when the Texans traded Deshaun Watson, we talked about what great draft capital they got in that trade, right? Well, in that trade, 
They got three ones, a three and a four. To move up from 12 to three, the Texans traded two ones, a two and a three. So they almost had to move all of the capital that they got for their franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson, just to pick a defensive player. Yeah. And look, maybe Will Anderson's going to be a Miles Garrett-level player, and then it'll all be worth it, I guess. But you know my philosophy. If you want to trade a bunch of stuff to, to like go get your franchise quarterback, cool, I get it. But to trade what basically was your whole haul for Deshaun Watson for one defensive player? Like, a, for example, let me put it this way. If when Deshaun Watson got traded and your only return was a third overall pick, you would have been like, ooh, not sure you got enough for that, right? Sure. And that's kind of how I break that down, at least. Well, you just wonder, D'Amico Ryans, as a defensive guy, did he push heavily for that trade? You almost felt like it was a trade. Like, D'Amico Ryans is fine. Pick the quarterback at two, but I better but get Will bet. Ed. Yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> Listen, sometimes, right. and granted, Nick Casario, who spent an awful lot of time in New England, and New right. England's the type of team, we're going to move back before we move up aggressively. You just wonder if the head coach really pushed for Will Anderson Jr. I mean, do I hope that Will Anderson Jr. turns out to be a great player? Yes, for the Texans' sake. Oh, and, and I'm pretty sure and he's he going to be a very Mary good player. Be, but... I mean, clearly he was the best guy. I don't think anybody's disputing that. But you just wonder, will he make enough of an impact to justify the other capital yeah. that they sacrificed? And the Texans clearly are a team where going in, they had multiple issues on yeah, defense. Lance. Will Anderson Jr. alone is not going to fill all their voids, is my point. Look at the AFC. You're telling me the Texans aren't going to have a top 10 pick next year? Well, who knows? I mean, could the only reason I throw that out is their division is still wide open. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to win, but if Stroud performs, the defense improves, is it crazy to think they could be in contention? That division is fairly Jacksonville, wide I open. think, is moving on. I love Jacksonville, bit. but yeah, no, you, you never know, know year look, to year. You're right. You never know. The Colts are down, too. I, I agree with all Colts. that. I think that's fair. But and Tennessee, too, right? We don't yeah, know what to expect. The, the rest of the team. conference is so good. No, I, I agree. <laughs> but if they win their division, let's say by chance, John, then they're not going to have an extremely high draft pick, is the point. Okay. Interesting. I'm just saying. Oh, no, 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 dude. My, yeah. my facial expression wasn't about Oh, okay. I, I was like, did no, I say something that no, crazy? <laughs> no, Dom just put on Dude, the screen. Antonio Brown just announced on his Twitter feed he's signing with the Ravens. But no confirmation from the team. That was my eye roll. Oh, like, okay. are you kidding me? Look. No, but you no, said no. it was fine. No, that's fine. I was, I was trying to uh, understand what I said that was uh, earth-shattering. No, no so. nothing at all. Uh, I know we'll save our bold predictions for later on in the offseason when we make our uh, divisional choices. You, well, you wonder if I, the Antonio Brown thing happened in his mind, in his like, yeah. dreams, or if it actually did, in fact, happen. But him and Odell with that wide receiver room, holy Toledo. <laughs> I find that hard to believe that Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta— They just drafted Zay Flowers and signed Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I just— I don't know about that. I mean, remember, AB is a character on social media, so Car I don't know. he's a character in real life. Yeah, but and, specifically, and, and characters putting it nicely. Yeah, but there's things that he has tweeted out that haven't necessarily come to fruition. <laughs> I guess is my point. It's a well, actually, I'm looking at it right now. He has a picture of himself in a Ravens uniform. That's what the tweet is. He literally, you know, you have somebody go on the computer That's and obviously Photoshop make that change. Actually, yeah, for sure. So unless he actually went to like. 
the sporting goods shop and like bought a and like customized a Ravens jersey with a number and then brought it home. <laughs> I, I mean, that looks like a tweet where he looks no, at know. Odell and Zay Flowers and sort of wants to he's throw trying, his name he, into the mix. He's yeah, try to wish it into existence. Correct. A bit. Yeah, I mean that's how right. it appears to me. I'm sorry, I took longer than I wanted to. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Randy all the way out in Montana. He wants to talk about what the Giants did in the draft. Randy, what's going on? Oh my God, I'm talking to you. That's amazing. Um, I put my snowblower away so uh, I can sit in the chair and, and follow this. I had two simple questions for you, fellas. One is, it seems like everybody's talking about these two centers, Tipman and Schmidt. Schmidt, okay? yes. Uh, it seems like they're at the top of the list. I've listened to a ton of stuff. Which one would you guys love to see on the Giants? That's the first. And secondly, um, is it important or not really what they're looking for right now to have someone that can play center and guard? It's a good question. I think those are both two very good questions. I think position flex is good. Um, the guy I would like, if I could pick one offensive lineman that's on the board for the Giants, it would be Steve Avila from TCU. He was their starting center in 2021. He started a guard in 2022. I think his tape at both are good. He's almost 330 pounds, so he's a big, powerful guy. A lot of experience. Oh, yeah. You look at his tape against Georgia and Michigan in the college football playoffs, it's wonderful. And those are two of the best defensive lines in football. So that would be my number one guy. Uh, I have Schmitz ahead of Tipman. I have Tipman and Whipler kind of close to each other at, at kind of the end of round two. So, yeah, I think it's important to have position flex, and I think Tipman probably has some position flex too. I think Whipler's probably center only, and Schmitz, you know, maybe he could do a little bit of guard, but he's mostly just a center as well. He was a center in college, yeah. But at least that's how I look at it. Sure. No, I'm in agreement. Okay. Tipman, the one's concerned about Tipman, and we discussed this when we had – Derek Engleron, right. former Giant center in the Wisconsin spot, is the fact that, you know, he's 6'6", six, and he's you just center. wonder, it's not a matter he's too tall, it's just from a leverage standpoint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are the defensive linemen right. going to get a step on him because he's so big? That's my concern about Tittman. So I would lean maybe a little bit more closer to Michael Schmitz under those circumstances, but listen, Wisconsin knows how to produce those offensive linemen. Absolutely. Well-coached. There's a lot of other things to me that wipe away the height concern. So I don't think there's right. a huge separation between the two. But once again, because of the height, I give Michael Schmitz the slight edge over Tim. Do you guys actually have snow on the ground right now, Randy? Did it snow like like last night? No, believe it or not. Two weeks ago, we had about ten inches, right? <sighs> wow. And it was it was beautiful up here. We had a horrendous winter up here, forty below zero. And so, wow. I mean, it, it, it's been rough. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you in a major city in Montana, in Montana or, or, or oh, are you kind of no. in the hinterlands? I used, to, I used to live in Thousand Oaks, California, born in Boston. Uh, wow, all over I did my professional work there. I retired up here. It's a little train town with no more than 7,000 people I in it. I love it. And we're at the northern entrance, right at the northern entrance, about 30 miles away from Yellowstone National Park. Oh, that sounds lovely. So do you have the house right next to Phil Jackson? You guys go fishing on the lake? <laughs> I don't okay. I don't think so. We no, don't okay. have many lakes here. All right, well, Phil, I know, calls Montana home, it. so that's why I thought maybe, you know, you and him were uh, sitting down by the fire and having some chats. Hey, I could teach I could teach people a lot. I've been watching the Giants since 
since I was eight years old. So, and I'm 67. So, Sonny Jurgensen and Tarkenden, man. Old school. But anyhow, the, the last question, and I appreciate you listening. Um, really do. Um, we appreciate you listening, back, Randy. Come on. <laughs> oh, we love you guys. What running back would you, uh, are the Giants, do you think they're looking for? Well, I Which guess my one? my question, Randy, is what type of running back are you looking for? Like, would you do you want like a three down guy? Do you want a receiving guy? Do you want a between the tackles guy? What do you think would be the complement to Barkley? And maybe you know, depending on what happens with this contract, the eventual replacement, you know, what kind of what kind of guy you're looking for? Because right now, for me, the running backs, you know, it's really kind of like what flavor of ice cream do you want? So I guess that's my question for you. What kind of running back would you want to add here, given what the Giants remember, have? Yeah, you remember um, what LT was asked by Parcells over and over. Just tell me when they're done. You know, talking about the the defensive tackles. They're you know, or or the I mean the offensive line when they used to play games. We've got a jitterbug like in Brita, like uh, Bradshaw. Yeah, we've got. We've got um, Barkley, and I'm not worried about him. They'll give him a good deal and all of that. Um, he, that guy can catch. He can run. He can reverse. He does everything. I'd love to see a Brandon Jacobs go right up the middle. All right. I would love to see a, I, a weighty guy that could take those third down in twos off Barkley's back. All right. I don't think I can find you like a 230-pound behemoth. I don't think that guy <laughs> exists in this draft. <laughs> But I understand. Yeah. I, I understand the type of guy you're looking for. Um, if you want a guy that has some power and is a true three-down back, I think the best guy right. is probably um, Zach Charbonnet, the running back out of UCLA. I think he's a guy um, that you would look at a little bit. Uh, I think another guy that maybe you would keep an eye on is um, Kendra Miller out of TCU. He was a good between the backles. Uh, Tackles. Between the tackles, it's been a long night. <laughs> a between the tackles type of back. Uh, I like Dwayne uh-huh. McBride out of UAB. He's probably more of a third, fourth round pick. Um, Roshan Johnson, the big running back out of Texas, is another guy. He's a powerful back that can kind of do the between the tackle stuff. And then this guy's not necessarily powerful. I just think he's a true good three down back. I love Chase Brown out of Illinois. I know a lot of the people have him as a fourth-round guy. I have, him, I have him as a end-of-second-round, third-round type of back. I think he's just oh, can okay. do everything. I think he's excellent. I'm not sure he's exactly mm-hmm. the battering ram you're looking for. I just think he's a really good player. Well, two other guys that I'll throw out uh, that I think could go earlier is Tajay Spears out of Tulane. Smaller guy, but Smaller yes. guy, mm-hmm. but once again, see, I'm right. looking for more of the all-around back yep. than necessarily a big guy that could just be a oh, bowling I ball. I love Tajay Spears. The only reason I didn't bring him up because, because he no, was no, asking I, for No, no, I Jacobs. understand, but yeah. my, my counter would be I don't think you should be so specialized in yep. terms of the type of running back and then... Tank Bigsby out of Auburn, yep. who was He's arguably one of the best running backs out of the SEC this year. Those are two guys that I think would be very attractive in that second, third round type of territory. And in the Tajay Spears realm, Eric Gray from Oklahoma is also excellent. He's a really good pass catcher. He's very elusive. Again, a smaller guy, but he's just a really good football player. Yeah, and there's room to add that to the roster because, yeah. once again, you're not drafting for just 2023. That's more of a reason why I wouldn't yep. just operate based on what's in-house right now. Good stuff, Randy. Thank you. Hey, thanks, thanks, folks. Yep, you got it. Appreciate the call, Randy. Thanks for being with us all the way from Montana. Yeah, he he, he was way too lucid to be hanging out with Phil Jackson a lot. Well, listen, Phil, when he gets up there in age, perhaps is 
not necessarily puffing the magic dragon as much as he did in the early years, I guess, is my point. He's sitting on that lake. He's got his feet up. You know, boink. He's got all that stuff. Well, I mean, considering Montana, Montana. once again, has a lot of small towns, I would think, you know, maybe he goes into town, right? It's It's a big state. No, I know it's a big state, but he mentioned that he was in a small That's town. Serious. So I thought, all right, maybe Phil comes into town. And once again, I don't know what part of Montana he calls home. But well, you you, you, you haven't been invited out to the Phil no, Jackson, unfortunately Montana that compound. hasn't. He's been very busy. So now that he's unwinding, not really. Well, remember he, he had the executive part of his career which unwinded. He needed a few years to recuperate when you work for that organization. And now maybe we're at the point where an invitation could come yeah, in the I, near future. I think future. it was more like the organization needed a couple of years of recuperation after well, Bo Jackson left. I think it went both ways, okay? <laughs> I would argue. But you could spin it however no, you'd like. I think that's fair. I yes. think it did go both ways a little bit. All right, let's go to Hugo in New Jersey. He's up next. Hey, Hugo. Hey, uh, good afternoon, guys. Um, uh, you guys know how I feel about that pick, and uh, suffice it to say that I slept very well last night. I think most Giant it, fans did and should have. It was, it was, it was <laughs> very, very fun. You should have seen Datino. Lance, you you should be so happy you weren't here. I I want – you can ask Dom, who's, who's, who's running the board for us today. I wanted to murder him. He was sitting there, like, shaking the table. He's still there. He's still there. I can't believe it. He's still there. I'm like, Paul, you got to relax. It's fine. No, no, no. He's going to be there. They're not going to take him. Don't take him. Come on. Don't take him. Don't take him. Don't take him. I wanted to murder him. <laughs> just another day at the Giants facility. It was so bad. At one point, I'm like, oh, my God, just somebody else take him so I don't have to listen to him anymore. Yeah. And I wanted Deontay Banks, but he was so annoying. I'm sitting here. I'm like, just make it stop. Make it stop. Oh, anyway, the, go ahead, in a nutshell. I'm sorry. Yeah, and- and, and, you know, while we're on the sleep theme, um, I must say, despite you guys being somewhat sleep deficient at this point, uh, I, I think uh, you, you're, you're doing a great job and you were on point. Actually, you covered a lot of the things I wanted to talk about, primarily that, you know, not only was, was the pick itself an excellent uh, pick for the talent and the value, uh, we picked into the strength of this draft, and which means that, you know, there's going to be a lot of corners taken in the second round that are going to push other positional players down to us. And what I see as a, a very rich second and maybe even going to the third round, uh, round in terms of talent, um, you named all the players sort of uh, I like uh, uh, in the next round, uh, at least the, the ones I would prioritize. And, 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 John, you said that Steve Avila and Osiris Torrance, which are – uh, right near my top three would requ- likely require trade up. What do you think is happening with Debawara? Because I really like him, and, and I got to say, the more I thought about that player, one of the reasons I, I I think I like him so much is because he adds something to the defensive line that we didn't get through sort of the free agency signings. And I think the other thing he can do is perhaps play the big edge, sort of the Jihad Ward role. But I just think he could do it at a much higher level, given his explosiveness and speed and quickness and so on. So a question to you is, do you think that player also requires a trade-up in the second round at this point? Adabare, yeah. Here's the thing about Adabare. I love his traits. He was. I think the big problem with him is that his tape's not as good, it's not great. And I think he yeah. up, I think he played out of position in Northwestern. I think he's a three right. technique defensive tackle. So I think it takes some creativity from NFL general managers, which leads to what they consider to be risk taking. 
because you're betting yeah. on a player to be really good at something you haven't seen him be really good at in a game situation. So I could right. see him falling a little bit further. Like if he's a middle of the second round pick, somewhere in like the 45 to 50 range, that would not yeah. shock me necessarily. Um, I think Avila and Osiris Torrance, though, will both be off the board by pick okay. 43 okay. or 44, at least in my opinion. I think Matthew Bergeron, by the way, who I did not mention I should have, uh, the guard the tackle flex. Tackle, yeah. yeah, I think he's also going to be one of the guys that come off the board relatively quickly here in round Yeah, he's two. considered a high riser by many he's people. He's a good player. Yeah. So that wouldn't surprise okay. me. Remember, Adabare is more of a tweener based on how he was utilized at Northwestern and the projection. So to me, yeah. it depends on how a team expects to utilize him and the fit within the scheme. All it takes is one team that's enamored with him. But he could very well be there when the Giants pick in yeah. the second round. I don't think that's he, a stretch. He, and that was sort of my thought process. He seems to fit very much sort of the, the you know, positionless defense or sort of – I think Wink could really utilize that player. But I, I just want to move on to one um, one other point. I mean, everyone's wringing their hands over the Jalen Carter pick. And, you know, some of the criticism of us trading up has been around, look, we gave current year picks up and – you know, Philly only gave up a, a 2024 pick to move up one spot, and that spot was a lot higher than, the, you know, the spot we moved up to. You know, sometimes uh, there's, a, there's a term in economics called the wisdom of the crowds, right? Sometimes you really got to look at that, that there's a reason underpinning it. One, Chicago didn't want anything to do with that player, and it almost seems like no other team really want, got, wanted to get into a bidding war to move up to that spot. Sure, and that it plays a role. It reflects the, risk, the riskiness of that, the consensus riskiness of that player. Now, if Philly wants to swing for the fences, that's fine. But going against the wisdom, one thing I've learned in my lifetime is you go against the consensus of the crowds or the wisdom of the crowds too many times, eventually that burns you. So that's well, but you go. I mean, in fairness, Laramie Tunzel, for example, was a guy that fell. If you remember his draft class, because that photo of him came out, and Laramie Tunzel has panned out to be a very solid offensive lineman. So with Carter, it's not a question about talent. If he didn't have that off the field issue, Carter could have very well went ahead of Will Anderson Jr. as the first defensive yeah. player off the board. It's more of is the maturity level to a point where he will reach his ceiling and match the talent that people see on film. And to me, it comes down to environment. If you have a good environment, you have a good coaching staff, and you'll keep the player on a very straight pathway, you can absolutely maximize his talent. It's more of a question of that. It's not a question of whether or not Carter has the talent to succeed at the NFL. I think no, that's crystal clear. Look, I, I, I think those those situations are slightly different because that Laramie Tonsil thing was a last-minute surprise, I think. Well, But it speaks of character, though, does it not? It, 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 it does, but but I, I think sort of a consensus built on, we've had this information for a long time, every team had a chance to do its homework, they saw his pro-day performance, which speaks to professionalism. It, it, you know, I, I think they're just more red flags on this guy. Let me just put it that way. No, Hugo, I understand what you're saying, and again, appreciate the call. I want to try to get as many calls as we can here. Um, 
I think you have to worry about the wisdom of the crowds too. But I understand what you're saying. You know, if you look at that consensus draft board that comes out, oftentimes it does reflect well on what players end up becoming good football players. But how much is that wisdom of the crowds, and how much is that just people parroting one or two people's information, then everyone copies it? Sure. So is it really a hundred individual opinions, or is it really three or four opinions that get aggregated to seventy other people? who hear the same rumors, talk to the same anonymous scouts, talk to the same front office people, copy, you know, more famous draft analysts and evaluators. So how does that wisdom of the crowds come to pass, I think, is kind of a big part of this, too. Well, I also think, listen, it's natural. Giants fans, you don't want things to pan out for Philadelphia. I get that. Well, I'll be honest so, with you, Lance. By the way, I would rather trade a 5 and a 7 this year than a 4 next year. I think the four is well, a much more valuable pick. I would agree with the, you. The, the, sure. the talent drop from round four to round five is oftentimes significant. I would rather trade a five and a seven than a four any day of the week. And frankly, it's not that close in my opinion. Well, but the way that I look at it is, once again, and this goes back to the conversation we had earlier in the program, the Eagles were in a position where they had a high volume of picks. So I'm sure that was part of what they weighed where they were in a position where they could easily give up a fourth rounder next year. And here's the other thing you have to ask yourself. Do you get the player of the skill set of Jalen Carter in the fourth round in 2024? And I would say possible, but unlikely. So in the game of chance, I'd rather roll the dice with giving up a fourth rounder and assuming that there's no way I would be able to touch the territory of a skilled player in the ballpark of Jalen Carter next year. Just like I would look at it the same way with respect to the Giants, with respect to I'd rather give up a fifth and a seventh to move up to grab a guy that's a really good fit for the scheme in Deontay Banks than roll the dice and think I'm going to get an impactful player this year at five and seven. I mean, that's to me how I play the game of chance. You could tell me all you want about previous history and how fourth rounders have panned out and what you could get quality-wise in the fifth round, but are you going to get a Jalen Carter and are you going to get a Deontay Banks? And, and if the answer is no, then to me it's an easy choice. And look, we don't know. Did the Giants, I think a lot of fans are assuming, well, if you didn't get Deontay Banks, you just draft Joey Porter Jr. Well, did the Giants have How the do you same know? opinion Correct. of yeah. Joey Porter Jr. that they had of Deontay Banks? My guess is that probably not. Because if because they why did, would you move up? they you would have not the have choice. moved up because both of them were still left. Because even if somebody else trades with Jacksonville and they take Banks, you take Porter or Correct. vice versa. Correct. Which is why my guess would be that they did not have the same opinion Correct. on both those guys, because otherwise, how would you explain their behavior? Well, remember, Joe Shane, when he was asked the question, he basically said the board was shrinking, essentially. Oh, no, he was saying okay. that he was saying that they were getting wiped out. Yeah. Which, so, by the way, which is not given the guys we've talked about leading up to it, that's what I was watching. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to get wiped out, not knowing what they felt about Porter. So... Yeah, I, I think they were on the verge there of being like, oh, no, what? Do, not, not that they didn't have a plan, but it was like, this is not the ideal situation for us. Let's make sure we get the guy that is the ideal situation for sure. us. Sure, but, I mean, in fairness, John, I think they did have a plan because, remember, he mentioned he had conversations with Balky, Trent Balky, the GM right. of the Jaguars, earlier in the day. So he was going through simulated plans where, okay, if we get to 23 and we only have maybe one or two guys still on our board— would we then have the ammunition to make a trade? So I, I do think they were prepared for the worst case of course. type of scenario to a certain I degree. just meant, uh-oh, what do we do now, as in we couldn't make a trade? 
our top whatever number of players is gone. Now what guy do we pick? And I'm sure sure they had the next guy in the list, and they had all their contingencies because that's what this front office do. They're they're very prepared and all that stuff. But I think you saw with some of the other teams when a team moved up ahead of them, like when the Jets, for example, right? I think it's pretty obvious they wanted to draft Broderick Jones. Yeah. Once the Steelers, Steelers jumped ahead of them, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they take nine of the ten minutes of the ten minute clock, Will and McDonald, you see guys yeah. on the phone, and you're like, ah, what are we doing here? You know, things like that tend to happen. Well, and that's more of a reason why you need to go through those mock drafts uh-huh. because you have to prepare for the worst case and scenario. That's again. why yeah. people say, John, why do you do you two mock drafts last week? It helps you come up with scenarios where you figure out you get put yourself in a bad situation. All right, well, what do we do now? And that's the fun part of it. All right, folks, we do have an open line if you want to get on the phones at 201-939-4513. Don't forget, we are live again tonight, immediately after the Giants pick in round number two and round number three. Shona Hara, Paul Latino on, will be on in a half an hour right here on the Giants app, the Giants YouTube channel as well. Uh, Make sure you go check that out. And also, don't forget, go check out Draft Season, our draft podcast. We did record an episode right after the draft last night. It is up there. Tony, Pauline, and I recap round number one. It's a quick listen. It's only about 25 minutes. Tony had been on the air for five hours (laughs) before we recorded that. He did a full first round um, show for uh, Pro Football Network, and I was pretty beat, too. So we did that express, and we'll do um, a bigger show at the end of round three, or at the end of round uh, seven, by the way, and then we'll have a couple episodes coming up over the next couple weeks, too, to kind of wrap up the draft and look ahead to next year as well. So that should always be fun. Um, But go subscribe to Draft Season on your favorite podcast platform. Giants app, all that stuff. And uh, same for the Giants Huddle podcast. We should have a bunch of player interviews showing up on that uh, at the end of the weekend once we Giants draft all their players. So, again, Giants app, Giants.com slash podcast. Leave a five-star positive if you're on Apple Podcasts. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. Len in Columbia, Maryland is with us today. Len, I assume you're a happy camper today. Yeah, very nice. Good pick, good pick. Lance said it best. Value and need. And yep. It matches up. <clears throat> um. Let me confirm confirm with you some combine numbers. Yep. Uh, six feet, eighth of an inch, 197 pounds, 4.35 in the 40. Does that sound about what? Uh, I'm getting the numbers right yeah, the, in front of me right now. The height of the weight seems uh, to be accurate yeah, based six, on what you said. Six foot, one-eighth of an inch, 197, 31 and three-eighths arm lengths, 4.35, 40-yard dash, 1.45, 10-yard split. 42-inch vertical jump, 11-4 broad jump. So elite, I believe he was either 99.9% on that RAS scale or 100%. That's how well he he tested. He's pretty close, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, pretty close. I think that I thought I read somewhere he he was, uh, with with that figure, he was ninth all time in terms of that RAS, um, those those RAS numbers. I'm I'm looking it up for you right now. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I may have been off on that a little bit. I, th- I thought I saw nine. Yeah, I mean, it's a good pick. Oh, no, Len. Um, uh, he, he actually got the 10.0. So, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He is 9.99. So that is literally the 99.9th percentile. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. That, that is as good as it gets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great athleticism. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I see him as a day one starter. Uh, you know, you look at the roster and you look at Banks and you say, I mean, I'd be terribly disappointed if he wasn't a day one starter. Um, so we're off to you know we're off to a good start. Um, I think we're, we I think you guys had it right. We're going to go interior offensive line and wide receiver. Maybe we'll go wide receiver and in, you know interior offensive line for the guy. They, the guys they probably have their um, eyes on. They're, they're probably going to have to trade up. 
I think if we sit at 25, both Schmitz and Tipman are going to be gone. Uh, now, maybe they have their eye on somebody else, but that seems to be the two that, uh, you know, come up the most. Uh, I think they're going to have to trade up to get Hyatt if, they, if Hyatt's their guy at wide receiver. And, you know, I'm okay at that. You know, fill another hole. I mean, those are two places. Um, we got to figure out how to match up against Philly, and we got to figure out how to match up against Dallas. And uh, Avila, is that how he pronounces his name? Is it like uh, Bobby Avila, the old second baseman for the Cleveland Indians? The yeah, guy from T- Avila. The mm-hmm. guy from TCA. Um, I mean, he's 330 pounds. Um, I, I like that if he's playing center for the Giants, matched up against Davis in Philadelphia. Um, back to Banks for a second. He weighs 31 more pounds than uh, Emmanuel Forbes does. The Forbes pick to the Commanders may have been w- one of the three worst picks last night. I just think that was a terrible pick. I think the running back, who's going to be a, a good player, but the running back Gibbs to Detroit at 12, uh, man. Well, the, the Forbes pick was more of, that to me was an example of scheme, and the player is very attractive for the scheme because Forbes is a zone guy. Yep. And what Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio run is a lot of zone. And Porter, Gonzalez, and Banks are all men. Correct. So that's, that's why you can understand Washington prioritizing a guy like Forbes over the other players. Okay. You want to play a 166-pound guy at cornerback? I don't care what system he fits. Well, l- listen, Len, I, I had these yeah. arguments with Paul about Devontae Smith, okay, when yeah. it comes to these small guys. A little and the bit last different, time I on, yeah. different on defense, no, true. no, I understand that, but I'm not one to get turned off by a guy simply because okay. of his body weight, because there are a lot of guys that okay. you watch on film, they play bigger than their frame, and they okay. play much stronger than their weight. Right, but I will, okay. I, I will quote Howard Cross, and this is okay. what Howard always says, right, and he okay. says this about Cordell Flott, too, so he's consistent. If you're 167 <laughs> okay. pounds and they're there pulling a guard or a tackle around on an outside zone play, oh well, that, yeah. I mean, then sure. what a, I mean, I don't care how tough you are, sure. you have, yeah. you know, you have a guy that outweighs you by literally 150 pounds coming at you. I don't care if you're, you know, Ant Man or the Wasp with their no, like tricking ability. Yeah. Like, it, sure. it, it, you ain't gonna be doing, you ain't gonna do anything about that. No, so but I, that yeah. that that's. That, to me, is where you run into issues. I think you'll tackle wide receivers fine. I think he'll be okay. When you start running those outside zone plays at him and those you know pin pulls with guards and tackles swinging around in the center coming out, that's what I worry about the guy that, that's only oh, and, that, and that's all fair. But once again, if you're in a zone yeah. defense, it depends on where are you putting him in in that defense and what is his responsibility. And maybe okay. you have the safety help with the run defense more so than the cornerback on the edge. Okay, In a big man's game... Forbes is the smallest guy on the field. I, sure. I don't like that. No, that's fair. Like that. That's yeah. fair. I, I understand your position, Lance, but I go the opposite direction. I'm more in Paulie's camp when it, when it comes to size. But and and the other guy, I'm not sure what Dallas was doing. I'm glad they did it, but I, I think they got caught short. There's something that just didn't that just didn't play it. Play out right. No, like, but like, in, in fairness, I mean, I pay attention to, to all the other teams in the division. That was a guy that was linked to Dallas a lot at the end of the first round, and they wanted a guy that could help in the middle of their defense because they felt that was a huge weakness for them. It was so. Yeah, that was not a that was not a huge surprise for me. I heard Maisie Smazzy Smith there. I heard a tight end there, and I heard Drew Sanders there. Those 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 are the three names that I kind of heard linked to Dallas over the course of the process. Yeah. Um, Last thing, going back to the center position and even the wide receiver, I think if we 
if we want one of those two guys, Tipman or, Sh- or Schmitz, I think we're going to have to trade up to get him. But I'll, I'll leave you with something that I've been saying over the last couple of months, and I know you guys laugh when I say this, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> given the current roster, given the current roster, yeah, you can go all the way to round six and find a starting center for the Giants. They'll be there. There'll be somebody there. It may be Scruggs. It may be Patterson from Notre Dame. I don't think Patterson's there. We got to get. I think you don't think Patterson will last. No, I think Patterson's a fourth round pick. Okay. All right. Well, there's a bunch of other the kids from Oregon, Forsyth. You know, I think he's better than what's on the roster. Day one starter. Oof. I don't know about that one. Well, well then. Well, you're you're also not talking about an automatic guy that comes in and starts immediately day one two. Who's we keep the in mind? center, Lance, Lance? Who's the the starting center opening day on this team? Well, right now, it could, well, it could be Ben Predison. I would say he's probably the clubhouse leader, and J.C. Hassenhauer. I would put right behind him. Jack Anderson and Shane yeah. Lemieux are in the mix there. But I mean, Hassenhauer has been a center, right? So and and Bredesen has been put in there, not a whole lot. So, but Bredesen to me would be the clubhouse leader if the season right. were to start Len, tomorrow. Be careful trying to plug fifth and sixth okay. round picks as day one. Well, that's on my the point. Offensive okay. line. That's that my point. Get, that yeah. can. Okay. If, if do you really want Alex Forsythe? Li- Len, 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 let me finish. Do you want Alex yes, Forsythe lining up nose to nose with Jordan Davis in Week One? <laughs> You want Bredesen lining up against? I, I think it's I better would, off having a veteran. I would much yeah. prefer uh, Bredesen no. than Alex Forsyth. One hundred percent. He's got a lot more experience. Let, let me say one more thing about the center position. God bless Hassenauer. Um, when you're an undrafted free agent and and you you last six years, you're you're a, a pretty steady football player, but he he can't start on opening day. Come on, guys. Seriously. Well, but, well, but, but, but what's, ha- the, what's the difference between an undrafted free agent and a sixth-round pick? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand the point here. Plus, I, I also don't Thank understand. You, the, appreciate the yeah, I, I also don't understand his point where he keeps emphasizing, and I emphasize this in free agency. You got to look at the division, right? You got to win in the division. Well, if you look at the division and you look at what Dallas offers in the interior and Washington with all their first-round picks and Philadelphia with their revolving door, now all of a sudden you want to just say, "Oh, we'll get the center in the sixth round." I mean, if that's the case, then you might as well stick with one of the veterans because there's no guarantee a sixth-round pick is coming in day one and starting right. mm-hmm. immediately. So I don't understand the frame of the argument. If you want to argue they should take a center if they're on the board in the second round, okay, I get that. I get that argument because there's a legitimate shot that individual comes in and starts. But what are we talking about Ben Bredesen and J.C. Ostenauer versus a guy in the sixth round? I mean, you make it sound like they're miles apart in terms of upside and talent. I don't get that under the circumstances. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, what's you know? He's a you know. You're talking about oh, how can you draft start an undrafted free agent? He's been in the league for yeah. six years, and then you want to draft a guy in the sixth round in his rookie year and start him in, you know, you know, could Alex Forsyth and Juice Strug Scruggs, if he gets that far, develop into a starting center? Yeah, sure, maybe. But we're talking walk in day one. All right, you want to put him next to Mozzie Smith? Do you want to go see how Mozzie Smith did against those guys during the regular season this year? I think Mozzie Smith probably outplayed Juice Scruggs in that game when Michigan outplayed played a lot Penn of guys. State. Yeah, sure. So you know, I'm just be very careful trying to put day three rookies, day three rookies as your starters in week one. There's well, a reason they're day three players. If you look at how front offices classify it, all right, round one, you want a guy to step in, be a starter right away, okay, and be a good starter. Round two. All right, can this guy be an average starter for me for a long time? Round three, all right, can we get this guy in midseason 
or a few games into the year, and he can be an okay starter for us. Round four, developmental guys, right? Can you start maybe in a year he's ready to start for us? Same thing for round five. And then round six and round seven, you're just picking guys with traits that you're taking flyers on or guys that are good, just going to be special teamers for you. That's generally how it goes. Do you get lucky sometimes when one of those round six or seven guys hit? Sure, but that's, that, that, that's not what you're doing in those late rounds because you know why? If those guys could be average starters right away, they'd be second or third round picks. Well, look at the in-house people. Look at Nick Gates, right? Nick Gates was an undrafted guy out of Nebraska who played everywhere on the offensive line, and he became a solid option, but he took a redshirt year. two or three yeah. years before he got there. So you're going to need some seasoning, some time for development purposes. That's why you might as well stick with one of the veterans and let them battle out and compete. Again, I wouldn't be against adding a center in no. the sixth or seventh round, but to just say you know he's better than no. what they have, I, I just think that's a step too far. Well, yeah, me. the point is the expectations need to be Correct. kept in yes. check. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand, once again, the separation between the group of veterans that they have right now versus the sixth round. I don't see that helping your cause no. that much more. I don't. And again, we're not trying to tell you that we think Ben Bredesen is going to step in and be some Pro Bowl starting center, but again, sixth-round rookies are sixth-round rookies for a reason. 201-939. Bredesen, I'm sorry to interrupt you, has gone up against NFL talent over the last few years, yeah. too. So that counts for Correct. something. 201-939-4513. Uh, Rocco in Long Island is on next. Hey, Rocco. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Len's been hanging out with Phil Jackson in Montana, smoking <laughs> Puff the Magic Dragon with that. What do you got, um, Rock? I want, to, I want to talk about uh, – first, I love the first-round pick. Honestly, if all the receivers were still there, I still would have drafted Banks. Honestly, I mean, me too, Rocco. I agree. If I, my choice was between Banks and all four of those wideouts, I also would have taken Banks. Jackson Smith I, and Jigba would have given me a little bit of a pause, but I probably would have picked yeah. Banks anyway. Now, Flowers would have yeah. given me a little bit of a pause too, I think, if he I, was there. I hear that. I just think his – I just – with the division, the receivers – and also, guys, I'm a you know. Listen, I can't say it enough. Positional value, who we're facing, yeah. Dory Jackson becoming a free agent next year. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't be. I would not be opposed to them going after another guy like Brent or something if he falls to them. You know, in the third round, let's say. Oh yeah, me too. That's fair. I'm with you on that, Rock. I mean, because you know, it's positional value. I'm a, I mean, I'm a big believer in it, and I just I love the pick. I think this guy. I honestly think this guy can. Be a legit. He might be the legit at the end of the day best cornerback in the draft when all is said and done. I I, I love be. his traits. I've watched the you know just watching his highlights. But on tonight, as far as receivers, I'm a big you know I like Mingo. I like At Perry. I like Tillman. You know I like guys. You know the Michigan receiver. But Hyatt. Sometimes I just feel like if we're gonna start. Who, if we're gonna play the uh, the other kid that we got from Buffalo, who matches up well with him? Like I love Mingo, I like At Perry, but is that combo what you want, or do you want a guy that can really open it up like Hyatt, which I don't think will be there? Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like if if we got one of these bigger guys, are we kind of putting three guys out there with Waller that are? Similar. Now, in fairness, Mingo did run really well with the Combine. So I think a guy, I, a guy like Tillman, I would tend to agree more with you. I think he's more of a bigger possession guy, kind of like Hodgins is, though. If you watch Tillman's 2021 tape, it, it is a little bit more explosive. 
I think Perry's strength is his ability to get over the top and track the ball on deep passes. So yep. I think he does give you a little bit more than Hodgins in that respect. And Mingo, I think, does have speed and run after the catch ability because he's over 220 pounds. So I, I see what you're saying with Tillman. I think Mingo and Perry give you a little bit different than what Hodgins give you. And if you really want somebody different, then you know I don't think Jalen Hyland's going to be there, and I don't want to trade my third round pick to move up to get him. Then just then just Mims? yeah, exactly. Draft Mims. That's exactly what I was going to say. Draft Marvin yeah, Mims is when he's there. He's fast. He can win down the field much like Haya can. Just draft Mims. Yeah, no, it's just I, I like all these guys. I really like Mingo. I like AC Perry. I like Tillman, but I just I'm you know I just that right combination. I, I just you know. It's finding that right combo to really, to really, uh, you know, to to make this offense really flow and click. That, and I'm with really you. Nice. And, and and I think Mims is your guy. I think Mims is your guy based on what you're saying. I also, right, you know, once you again, guys. and appreciate the phone thank call. Thank you, Rocco. I, I just would not get too caught up in terms of how all the pieces fit. I just, I don't think that's the guiding light for that receiving core, because you know, once again, they've got Darius Slayton who, you know, I understand he's had his ups and downs during the course of his career, but if you're looking for a guy that could stretch the field, Darius can do that still, just for the sake of having somebody who differentiates from the rest of the receiving court. To me, it's more about if we put you in various spots within the scheme, can you get open? Do you have the ability for yardage after the catch? And are you a polished route runner? That's what I'm prioritizing, other than can you run in a straight line and win down the field? Okay, great. Well, the bottom line is, if Daniel Jones can't get you the ball down the field, it completely defeats the purpose. So I don't get overly concerned about the overlap is what I'm getting at. To me is, take the best wide receiver overall package-wise, you'll find a way to tap into his skill set. Yeah, and I think his point, though, he wants somebody that is, I don't want to be mean, someone that is a little bit more explosive than Hodgins because you don't want two no, and guys, I get that. Sure. You don't want two guys out there that maybe lack that explosiveness to your point, your ability to get open against man coverage consistently, things like that. Sure, but you know what? I'll bring up an example of Jalen Rager, right? Okay, he was a guy that the You're Eagles right. took, okay? Because they wanted a deep threat. And You're how right. did that turn no, out? No, not well. So that's another reason why I just don't get so consumed by that aspect. Completely understood the caller's point mm-hmm. and your clarification. I'm just looking at it a little bit differently. Yes, I would. If Look, I would not pick a receiver just because he's a type if you don't think he's as good of a player. Exactly. Yes, yeah. no, I'm with you on that. Here's another thing real quickly, John, before mm-hmm. we move on. And this was something that I think was brought up, I want to say, to Joe Shane during his pre-draft presser. Not to say or speculate that anybody's leaving. But if you lose a coordinator and you bring in a player simply because you're enamored with his differentiation or what he could provide for the scheme, if the coordinator is not here the following year, then a new coordinator comes in, doesn't love the guy, it's almost as if it's a wasted pick. It's more of a reason why yeah. I think you need to direct your attention on overall skill set, overall talent, so this way, God forbid something does change with the coaching staff and the scheme, you're not necessarily playing catch-up. All right, we got two callers we're going to get to before we say goodbye here. Bob in Hazlitt, New Jersey is up next. Hey, Bob. Good afternoon. What's up? Great What's night up, last night. Just like uh, last year, great first round. Hey, uh, how far do you think the Giants can get down in the second? You mean round? up? Up. Up. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they want to move further down. Um, I mean, depending, if you lose the, look, there there are like kind of two trade charts now. You have the old Jimmy Johnson trade chart, and then you have the, the kind of the newer one. If you go by the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, if the Giants trade their third round pick, they can get as high as pick like 42. 
give or take. So jump around 15 spots. If you go by the newfangled trade chart, which gives a little bit more value to these picks, if the Giants trade their third-round pick, which is 145 points, that'll give them 475. That'll get them around the same thing, actually. That'll get them also to around Green Bay um, at pick number 42. So you're mm-hmm. looking at probably somewhere around 12, 13 picks. Again, if you want to trade that third-rounder, which is high capital. Yeah, and, then maybe, and then maybe you can move up a couple more if you want to throw in your fourth as well. But I'm not sure the Giants would want to no. do something. Well, especially since no, they already gave up two picks. Correct. Yeah, no, that, that's crazy. And if you only uh, want to trade your fourth-round pick, just FYI, that could probably move you up around four or five spots. Uh-huh. Give or take. Yeah, I, I think uh, the middle of the line is uh, is crucial with the, the way uh, the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Redskins have loaded up the middle of that line. Commanders. Sure. Uh, I'm sorry. The commanders, no, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from 1950. Nah, don't worry about it. We all do it. <laughs> Uh, so, um, yes, I'm, I'm thinking that Avila is, is, is Avila is, uh, way out of the line for the Giants. They wouldn't, he wouldn't be there. Oh, I, so I, 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 I think I'm you have a, maybe, I think you have a real shot at Schmitz or Tittman being there. I think, I think there's yeah. a legitimate chance one of those two guys make it, to be honest with you. I do. Okay. So that, that would work. I would then, uh, see if, uh. Avila there, uh, the offensive guard or Cedo would be there in the in the uh, next round uh, because uh, they're going to need some beef up in that front. Well, <laughs> sure, but I mean, once again, you're not going to take Bob a position for the sake of taking a position. You want it to no, make no. sense from a value. That's why I wouldn't get so caught up in. Well, they could just wait for the third round and they'll grab. And remember, you know, they have a lot of guys that could play guard. I mean, to me, the bigger priority is somebody with experience at center. They have versatility with respect to the guard spot. I mean, Josh Azudu, for example, Shane Lemieux, Jack Anderson, Marcus McKeithen, who was hurt last season, Wyatt Davis, who they brought in. I mean, I just named you four or five guys that have the ability to play left guard or right guard. So I don't know how big of a priority that is, considering a number of those guys were recently drafted. It's not as if they're old men. So to me, it's more of, can you bring somebody in the mix that have some starting experience at center? Because other than the veterans, you don't have a lot right. of youth at that position. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. The guy's got to be a grader, though. Lemieux, I know, a, a grader. Awesome. Thank because you, Bob. We got to run, man. We're over, okay? All right, Bob. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you, man. Appreciate you calling in. Let's go to Rick in Houston. He's going to wrap us up. Hey, Rick. What's up, buddy? What's up? Real quick, I just want to make one point real quick. I'll let you guys go. I'll make sure I'm fine. Everybody's calling about a receiver. You know, people are still longing for that wide receiver. I'm kind of good with what we got at wide receiver right now. Honestly, it's not a weakness anymore, uh, especially with Waller here. So if I'm the Giants right now, I'm looking at the Eagles. I mean, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. I'm like, we got to. I don't care if we spend the next two picks on O-line because this is going to be – it's going to get bad. And Lance, much respect for all those guys you just named, we saw how they hold up last year when it comes to crunch time against a team like Philadelphia. Well, they I mean, going to cut it. Well, but in, got, in fairness, was, though, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I mean, a lot of those guys I mentioned weren't on the field last year. Was Marcus McKeithen on the field? We haven't seen anything. Wyatt Davis, was he on the field? Yeah, Shane but, Lemieux was hurt. Yeah. 
So, I mean, three of those yeah, guys, and Azudu was in and out of the lineup, too, because he was also hurt. So, basically, all four of those guys, I would argue, you really didn't see on the field last year. So, you you, you have faith that Josh Azudu with Marcus McKeithen, when they line up against Jalen Carter and, and Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox, you have faith in them. Is they're going to get the job done? I have faith that, well, first of all, Mark Lewinsky is going to be one of the starting guards. Do I have faith that Azudu and Glowinski right now is the best option compared to a draft pick that you're going to throw in? Yeah, I would obviously go with those two guys from an experience standpoint. So if, so if, you, so if you have that, if, if we get the 57 or wherever we end up picking up moving down, if Osiris Torrance is sitting there right in our face, Sure. You're going to tell me. No, I, I would absolutely consider him. Do. I would absolutely consider him. But once again, I, mean, I think the bigger priority is center, though, versus guard. Well, that's fine. I, I mean, you can go either way with that. You know, but when you got a, a powerful, dominant type of player like, like Torrance, you know, at guard, I don't know if I would take Smith if, if he's available and they're both sitting there. I don't know if I would necessarily go Smith because, again, you know, they got some guys on the roster, like you said, that they still can play center. Shane even said it. So do you want to get another dominant, big, powerful guard? That would be great in my eyes. I mean, there's Avila, there's, there's Torrance, there's, there's Tittman, there's, there's, there's Smith. So either way, I feel like we're going to get one of those guys. Because all basically what I'm saying. We've got we to gotta address our line. Hey, look, Rick, Rick, no, trust me, look, we're with you. Like, like there needs to be improvement there, and, and, and appreciate the call. And I'll say this, too. A lot of the problems in the last season were coming from right tackle. It wasn't coming so much inside. Now, look, you lost Nick Gates, who I think was one of the reasons it wasn't coming from inside. He was a good player for them in the last year. Sure. But, you know, I don't think it's panic depth at that spot. Is there room to improve, to Rick's point? I think Yes. If I had the choice between Avila, Torrance, and John Michael Schmitz, for example, I would pick Avila first. I mean, I have Torrance a good 13 or 14 spots ahead of Schmitz on my board. Yeah, I like I Torrance mean, a lot. That, yeah. would, that would be hard for me to pick Schmitz over Torrance because I think Torrance is the better player. Oh, he's he ever. And he and is. And he's big and he's yeah, strong. Quite the presence. He can do all those things. So I. That would be me picking need over best player, which is something I don't like to do. And somebody else that no one's mentioned, by the way, is Cody Mock, who is the guy sure. that can, you talk about versatility, guy that can play guard, center, tackle, do all those yep. things. He's a guy where if he ever got to 57, which I don't think he would, that's another guy I would totally be okay for the Giants selecting. No question about and it. He looks the part of an offensive lineman. Think? Without the, he would be the two great, front teeth. He would yeah. be the great Nick Gates replacement with the hair, the oh. belly coming out. I mean, like, I could see him like getting, if he comes casting. into this area, he'd probably get a sponsorship, some dental company or something I mean you know he just has it written all over him but you know here's another thing and and this goes back to the need I'm fine listen if Torrance is on the board and they love him I can absolutely justify that pick but the reason why I'm still campaigning for Azuda was a third round pick last year John I mean you don't just throw away third round picks from the previous year to the wasteland simply because they dealt with injuries I mean I would just out of my own curiosity, I want to see more out of him, more of an opportunity no, I agree. before I'm willing to bail on the guy. No, is my no, point. Remember, you're not necessarily bailing, though, because Golinski, after this year, he always had a three year deal. You can always, you know, move on after the season. Oh, yeah, if and you, you want. can move and, him and, to and, that spot. And you sure. draft for the future. You're not just drafting for yeah. now, 100%. But, but he's t- he's for now and for the future, right. I would still say. Zudu is you, my point. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Lance, good stuff, my friend. You got it. All right. Thanks, again, remember, we're going to be back with you tonight. Make sure you tune in to us after the Giants' second and third round picks live on the Giants' app. 
uh, Giants.com and the Giants YouTube channel. Also, don't forget Giants TV, the Giants streaming app. Go find it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, wherever you watch your television. And go to Giants.com slash tickets if you want to be a season ticket member for 2023. Limited seats are available. Uh, you get a bunch of member benefits. It's really good. Go check it out as the excitement builds for the 2023 season. For Lance Mendel, I'm John Trunk. Thanks for being with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you tonight and then again on Saturday uh, after the Giants select their fifth round player. And then we'll be back on Monday, of course, for more Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you then. <laughs>